Amen. All right, week four, I believe, of freedom. We're marching our way through various stories in the book of Exodus, lots of familiar stories, uh, yet we recognize familiarity sometimes leads to contempt, so let's not do that. Let's be open to hearing these uh, older stories, fresh and anew, uh, for the very first time. So here we go, freedom, right? There you go, freedom. Today I want to talk a little bit about role reversal. It's, it's a rather difficult uh, 11 verses to traverse, 10 verses actually to traverse, uh, but I hope to do it in a manner that inspires and transforms. Freedom from a potential and terrible role reversal. Why? Because there's a little bit of Pharaoh in all of us. Perhaps. Two examples of a role reversal, one from children's poetry. Ready? Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. If there's more to it, I don't know what it is, man. That's... Humpty Dumpty is a great story of the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Here's a story from True Life about role reversal. A motorcycle policeman pulled over a car that had just rushed, rushed through a yellow light. I'm sure no one here. When he was pulled over, the driver explained to the police officer, yeah, the light turned yellow. I thought it would be better if I went through this, the light, because it's not illegal, than to slam on my brakes and, get, and risk being hit from behind. He reminded the officer that it was not illegal to go through a yellow light. Unfortunately, the policeman didn't buy it. He gruffly insisted. There was no excuse to go through a yellow light. So the next time the light turns yellow, you stop. Has anybody met that police officer, by the way? I think he lives in Brea. The driver again tried one more time to make his case and soften the blow and kind of talk his way out of it. You know, I really had this great fear if I get hit from behind because I stopped too fast. I mean, it's Southern California. The policeman still didn't buy it, cut him off in the meantime, and wrote him a warning ticket for reckless driving. Pulled back into traffic and began to make his way down the road again about five blocks later, still reeling from a bad start to that what was once a beautiful morning, still slightly fuming over the brusque lecture that the police officer gave him. He approached an intersection, just in time for the light to turn yellow again. This time he decided he would do what the officer said, and he stopped quickly and brusquely. However, when he reached a full stop, he felt a bump and a hit from behind. And as he looked into the rearview mirror, he was slightly surprised. <laughs> and delightfully so. Because he noticed the police officer that pulled him over was slowly backing up his motorcycle, staring off into the distance, acting as if nothing had just happened. Role reversal. Two of them. Role reversal. Today, freedom for us means avoiding role reversals. Freedom for us today means don't be a pharaoh. So today is very simple, even though there's a little pharaoh in all of us. It's really simple. How not to be a pharaoh. Let's read the story and find out how and why pharaoh is pharaoh. 
Uh, Exodus chapter 11, the first chapter 11. Let's read it. Now the Lord Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. And when he does, he will drive you out completely. Tell all the people that men and women alike, now this is an interesting text, there's a lot in here, to ask their neighbors for articles of silver and gold because the Lord made the Egyptian people favorably disposed towards the people. And Moses himself was highly regarded in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and by the people. So Moses says, or said, this is what the Lord says. About midnight, I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die. This is tough news, by the way. From the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the female slave who is at her handmill. And all the firstborn of the cattle as well. So this is kind of a total firstborn thing going on. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there ever has been or ever will be again. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any person or animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. All these officials of yours will come to me, bowing down before me and saying, Go, you and all the people who follow you. After that, I will leave. Then Moses, hot with anger, left Pharaoh. The Lord had said to Moses, Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you so that my wonders may be multiplied in Egypt. Moses and Aaron performed all these wonders before Pharaoh, but the Lord hardened. This is hard to hear, too. It's one of my least favorite verses in the whole, all of Scripture. Actually, this in Saul's story. I just don't like him. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let the Israelites go out of his country. The reading of God's word. That was a weak thanks be to God. It's a tough text, right? Let's pray and let's talk about how to be free from role reversal and avoid being a pharaoh. Loving and holy God, tough verses don't mean we skip them over. Tough verses actually mean we dig in and we wrestle with the text. There has to be something here for each and every one of us. Plumb the depths of our hearts, our minds, and our souls. Help us to recognize that there really is a little bit of Pharaoh in all of us and how to avoid that through the grace of the words that are before us this day. Come, Lord Jesus, come, Spirit, inspire us all that we would be transformed to live more faithfully and fully to you, the great I am. Amen. Okay, here's the gospel this morning. We can all avoid a terrible role reversal by following three steps. Step number one, ready? It's in the notes. Stay soft to each other. Stay soft and permeable, open to each other. I think this comes from the text. One of the interesting things about this dialogue between Moses and Pharaoh, Moses and Aaron and Pharaoh is there's not much room for conversation from Pharaoh's perspective. Pharaoh's just not soft to the other. Now, we have to understand a little bit about what it meant to be a pharaoh back then. To be a pharaoh back then meant you were more than just the king. 
You were the incarnation of the sun god Ra. So Pharaoh literally was the sun god Ra incarnate to the people. So in Pharaoh's mind, Pharaoh was God. Everyone bowed to Pharaoh. So Pharaoh was in charge, and no one else was. Now flipping this, I think it's important to understand, if we want to avoid a Humpty Dumpty-esque-like fall, or (laughs) being rear-ended by a motorcycle police officer in a role reversal, or something worse in our own lives, friends, We've got to be soft and open to each other. No one's God, not even Pharaoh. So it begins with an interesting little move here of staying, slowing down, staying engaged, and being tender, always with the other person. Slow down the anxiety that we feel when we encounter someone different than us. Slow down, stop, bring to a crashing halt the narratives we play in our minds, the stereotypical narratives we play in our minds about other people. Slow it down, halt it. You know, all those things that we make up about everybody else, all those things, those preconceived notions and ideas, those preconceived narratives, those assumptions that we learn throughout all of life, if you don't want to be a pharaoh, slow those down. Stay open to the other person. Listen to the stories that other people have. When we slow those things down, we're able to stay engaged with each other. We're able to have a relationship. We're able to set aside all those things that we think we know, hold them loosely to the side so that there's room for someone or something else to enter in. What I find fascinating in this text, which is why I say this comes from the text, is that there's this peculiar verse in chapter 11, verses 2 and 3, and it goes something like this. It's actually verse 3. The Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people. And even Moses himself was highly regarded in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and by all the people. See, there's something in this dynamic that the people of Egypt were favorably disposed. They remained open to the Israelites. There was some hint of mutuality. There was some hint of otherness. There was some hint of compassion. There was some hint of room for the other. Isn't that fascinating? See, in the midst of this Pharaoh-like paradigm of I'm God, you're not, make more bricks, the people of Egypt remained in relationship and compassionate with Israel so that there was room for something else to emerge. Now you might be asking, okay, that's great theory, but how do I really stay engaged with somebody else? How do I really stay open to another person's story? Are you ready for this? Ask really good questions. Just ask really good questions. If you're a party and you sat next to somebody that you didn't know before and you tried to have a conversation with them, 
and they just really weren't interested. And it didn't matter how many questions you asked, it was hard to get information out. You ever been in one of those situations? Now, have you ever been in the same situation where you start quiet and all you start, and then you begin to just ask questions? Tell me about your life. Tell me about your family. Tell me about your children. What are they doing? And all of a sudden, a half hour goes by. Why? You asked good questions. And you were able to draw things out of people that you never would have had access to before. Asking good questions is a way to stay soft to each other. I don't know if I've ever used this before, but if you take an exclamation mark, you know, the one that you see on your paper. I don't see one here. I was looking quickly. Have you ever taken an exclamation mark, and if you blew that up, magnified it about a thousand times, you know what that would become? Become a baseball bat, wouldn't it? What do you use a baseball bat for? You hit a baseball, right? Now, metaphorically, in interpersonal relationships, you can use a baseball bat to do more than just hit a baseball. You can use it like Pharaoh did to beat the Israelites over the head to work longer and harder and more based on your assumptions, your narratives, your stereotypes, all of those stigmas, all those things that we convince ourselves to be true, yet we're limited in how much information we really have. Now, have you ever seen a question mark on a sheet of paper? Looking for one again? Don't see it. If you, if you magnified a question mark a thousand times, what would you get? A shepherd's... Is it a hook or a crook? A shepherd's thingy. You get a shepherd's staff. Thank you. And a shepherd's staff is open to guide people or sheep into different and new places. Right? So to me, if you want to avoid a role reversal, if you want to avoid being a pharaoh, or if you want to avoid just being a schmohead, stay soft to each other. Arrogant people don't ask a lot of questions. You know why? They know it all. You ever run into somebody that's a know-it-all? Now, it's really hard to stay open to a know-it-all. Yet we're asked to do it. And if you are a know-it-all, stop knowing it all. Ask a few more questions. We all might learn something different and find ourselves in a new place. So arrogant people don't ask questions because they know everything. That's Pharaoh. Pharaoh knew everything. So he thought. He didn't need to ask questions. He's in charge. I do what I do. I'm the king. In fact, I'm God, sucker. Humble people, on the other hand, they ask lots of questions. Why? There's always more to learn. The curious of heart. Always learning new stuff. So if you want to avoid being a pharaoh or a schmohead, which is for some reason becoming my favorite word in the last two minutes, remain soft to each other, open to each other. Different ideology, different economic backgrounds, different cultural distinctives. And it's hard work, is it not? 
Because there's always more to a person's story than we think we know. How many of you here uh, have a dog at home? Okay. How many of you are dog people? Okay, how many cat people here? Did somebody just say, meow? <laughs> Did I just hear that? Okay, again, I, I, let me get a better view, a better feel. Dog people? Okay, cat people. How about, I don't want anything to do with either one of them. Bears? Seriously? Does somebody have a bear at home? Okay, I'm talking real animals. So, so if you, I mean, there's dog people and there's cat people, right? Now, we have a dog at home. His name is Bogey. This is our second dog. Uh, we've also had a couple of cats before, and we haven't done as well with the cats. Uh, they... We lived in Seattle. We had a couple of different cats, and they meandered across the street to a green belt, and we never saw them again. I think it was Thanksgiving for a coyote or something like that. Um, so we've had both of those in our homes. We've had, we've had dogs in our homes, and we've had cats in our homes, and we've had them at the same time, and they both behave quite differently. Um, and dogs are known to be men and women's best friend, Right? And there's some reason for that. Uh, it's because there's a few animals on the face of the earth that are just more loving and forgiving. Now, we love our cats, but cats have never been referred to, a human, to be a human being's best friend. Because it's all about attitude. Don't point your finger at me. <laughs> be open to the other. If you look at your dog in the eye and you look through his eyes into his soul, what do you see? You see, you see this being, this, this animal, this entity that loves you unconditionally, right? You can smell, you can look like bedhead, you just got out of bed. It really doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you look like doesn't matter what you smell like. Nothing really matters. In fact, you could have just grabbed your dog by the scruff of the neck three minutes ago, and that dog still jumps on your lap to lick you. That dog loves you unconditionally no matter what. In fact, the more you smell, <laughs> the uglier you look, the more that dog is endeared to you. I do not understand these things. Now, take a cat, for example. My daughter has a cat. Actually, they have a four-month-old and a one-year-old dog, and I don't know how old the cat is. So they got everything. So I go over there to watch the young one, granddaughter. I'm still getting used to say that. That sounds nice. I go over there to watch Cora, and that's almost the easy part because the dog's jumping on me, but if you look at the cat, the cat is doing what? Whatever the cat wants to do. Now, if you look into the eyes of a cat, what does the cat say to you when you look into the eyes of the cat? It basically says, I'm God, and you are not. If you look into the eyes of your dog, what does your dog say? 
Your dog says, you are God and I am not. Isn't that fascinating? It's fascinating. So the challenge this morning is, be dog people. Just be a dog person when you relate to other people. That's how to avoid being a schmohead pharaoh. Being open to each other in a very humble way is antithetical to Pharaoh's worldview. Because Pharaoh acted like a cat. He wanted nothing to do with anything other than what he thought was right and best. So, how to avoid a role reversal? Stay soft to each other. Because when we stay soft to each other, then we can stay open to God. And I didn't intentionally order these like this. If we're not able to be soft to each other, we're not going to listen to what God has to say. If we're so wrapped up in our arrogant notions of right and wrong and this and that and, and law and order, all this kind of stuff, there is no way we're going to be open to hearing from God about any possible other way to do life. And this story is living proof. We're only open to God if we're open to the other person. And conversely, if we're open to the other person, we will by default be open to God. If we're closed to the other person, then our hearts just may be closed and, or dare I say, hardened towards God. There's a strong correlation between the way we treat other people and the way we experience God. Now, the story is fascinating because we've, we've jumped ahead a little bit. This is going to be the 10th opportunity that Pharaoh has to change his mind and let the people have a day off and go worship in the streets. Nine times before this, Pharaoh has said no. God's given Pharaoh 10 tries to listen until God until he gives Pharaoh over to what Pharaoh has always wanted. I am God, and your God is not God. Try me. Because I think what's happening in the story, and I don't like that phrase, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. He, I, I don't like it. Like, if I could edit the Bible, if I could be Thomas Jefferson and just cut things out I don't like, that would be one. I'm just going to take that one out. I don't like that one. But I think what's happening here is a series of little choices throughout, series of, throughout our life become one big choice. All the little no's to other people, all the little no's to God end up being no to people and no to God. So I think there's this aspect that's happening in the story. God says, listen, I've given you nine, nine tries. This is going to be the tenth one. You still haven't listened to me yet. That's all been grace. Now, all grace, hands off. God's going to do what God's going to do because Pharaoh's not God. You want to avoid being a Pharaoh? Got to stay open to each other because that's the gateway to being open to God. Close to other people. 
closed to God. Open to people, you have a better opportunity of being, being, of being open to God. Coming from the text. A few verses earlier, I am astounded. I want to take us back to chapter 8, verse 10. Uh, this was after the second plague, the plague of frogs. There's all kinds of plagues here. There's blood, there's frogs, there's gnats, there's flies, there's boils, there's hail. I'm surprised there's not mosquitoes in here. There's hail, there's locusts, darkness, and then this tenth one. But after the second one and the plague of frogs, I mean, can you, this, there's, a, there's a fascinating phrase that Pharaoh says in here. He almost lets the people go after the second one. So Pharaoh all the way through here is, is going back and forth. So there's this plague of frogs. Frogs are sent in. Frogs, frogs are everywhere. Frogs are in your chicken soup. Frogs are on your windshield. Can you imagine your windshield wipers getting rid of the frog? Frogs are windshield wiping the frogs off. Frogs are in your soup. Frogs are in your bed. Frogs are in your hair, as if lice used to be a problem. Now frogs are the problem. There's just frogs, frogs, frogs everywhere. And there's this amazing verse, and it blows my mind in chapter 8, verse 10. Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, I leave to you the honor of setting the time for me to pray for you and your officials and your people and your houses may be rid of the frogs, except for the ones that are supposed to be there in the Nile River. And check out what he says. Now, if I'm a king and there's a plague of frogs and I got an opportunity to get rid of them today, I'm going to do it today. Are you? I'll never, when we had an outbreak of lice years ago, you should have seen my wife. We were not waiting till tomorrow to get rid of the lice problem. We were starting two minutes ago. And we were obsessed with this for 10 days. And you should have seen her face. She looked like a cat. <laughs> right? She was going to get it done. Now, if I'm king and there's a bunch of frogs and I got an opportunity to get rid of them, I am doing it right now, today, because I do not like frogs in my chicken soup. I do not like frogs in my bed. I do not like frogs with green eggs and ham. <laughs> Sorry, that just came to me. That was totally extra. I'm going to do it today. But you know what Pharaoh says in chapter 8, verse 10? He says this. You know what? Tomorrow. You guys can go. Just go tomorrow. Let's just, let's just all sleep on it. Let's get a good night's sleep. Go tomorrow. And what happens tomorrow? Tomorrow never comes. I mean, he blows them off. He puts it off. If you don't want to be a pharaoh, if you want to avoid a role reversal, be very, very careful of tomorrow. Be very, very careful of putting it off one more day. Be careful of setting aside a second longer being open to other people because that will allow you to be open to God. Don't say to yourself, you know what, I'll be open to people tomorrow. I'll be open to people after I read that next article. I'll be open to people, you know what, I'll be open to God on my deathbed. 
Don't be a tomorrow person when it comes to things of God. That's how to avoid a role reversal. Don't put off for tomorrow what really ought to be done today, which is to say yes to people, because that's a gateway to saying yes to God. So don't be a pharaoh. Now, there's a little pharaoh in all of us, and it comes in different forms, right? Um, you know what a form of pharaohism is today? Arrogance, right? I know it all. I've been down there before. You know, I used to be the CEO of marketing and finance eight years ago, and that's how we did it eight years ago. Therefore, that's how it's got to be done today. That's arrogant. Never mind the fact that technology changes and doubles at least every two years. So what you're appealing to eight years ago is actually 16 years old in technology language. That's a long time. Maybe ask a few more questions. Arrogance is a form of tomorrow. And there's some other good ones in here, too, and I listed them. Uh, things like deism. You know, God is sitting out playing golf somewhere and not intimately involved in my life or your life or the world's life. That's just putting off other people and your relationship with God for another day. Atheism is a tomorrow there is no God. Agnosticism is a tomorrow. You know, uh, patriotic nationalism is a tomorrow. Pantheism is a tomorrow. Skepticism is a tomorrow. Scarcity in a world of abundance is a tomorrow. And cynicism, which is becoming quickly a cultural value of our day, is a tomorrow. There's a lot of tomorrows in our world. We don't have to be pharaohs to actually be one. <laughs> I know this is a hard text, but I think it's positive. How to avoid a role reversal. Don't be a schmohead. How to not be a pharaoh. Stay soft to other people. Stay soft to God. Be very, very, very careful of putting something off for tomorrow when it really needs to be done today. So don't wait until tomorrow to do what really needs to be done right now. Say yes to freedom. It's right on, right on my shirt. If you can't see my shirt, it's right on the wall behind me. Say yes to freedom today. Say yes to God today. Say yes to other people today. We can avoid a hard fall from a big role reversal. And when we do, we'll be free 
from the toxic terrorism of your own inner Pharaoh. And as hard as this text is, it's still gospel good truth for us today. Let's pray. Sometimes it's hard to know how to pray, God. There's so many things going through the mind. So perhaps the best way to pray right now is to create space for silence. And Holy Spirit, let's just let you connect to individuals and a church and a community. about how to avoid being a pharaoh. Forgive us because we all are. Allow us with profound empathy and compassion to enter into the story of other people because only from that graceful, soft, fluid, and permeable place are we able to see your image in them in a way that reflects the beauty of you, the creator of all. May we be courageous. Not tomorrow, but today. To say yes to human beings. Because ultimately then we say yes to you. Teach us to love all people to life in a way that is relational and relevant and bold. Because love is more than just a verse we memorize. Love is what it means for God, for you, God, to be God. 